Rig life, got a call for a drunk in somebody's trunk. Rig life, rig life, rig life, rig life, got a call to the mall, dead guy in the stall. Rig life, rig life, rig life, a rig life, got a call for a break and it turned out to be fake. Rig life, rig life, a rig life, a rig life, got to drive really fast and it was, it was a blast. Rig life, rig life, rig life, rig life, showed up to the scene and they asked us to stop singing this damn song. Rig, rig, rig life, rig life. Hey everybody, this is Rig Life coming at you from Toronto, Ontario. It's Karen and Erica. Hey Karen. Hey Erica, how are you today? I am fantastic. How are you? I I think I'm still okay from the last second. <laughs> uh, well, thank God for that because we uh, we just uh, had to re-record um, Rig Life and clearly you can all hear how amazing it is. You might notice some subtle uh, differences. It Maybe won't make your teeth hurt as much when you listen this time. I mean, it still might. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it depends how hard you brush this morning. Oh, wait, it's in the. I just lost a I tooth. Do. Oh, it's because of our amazing song. <laughs> Better get that replaced for the Oscars. Next time we'll be like, break a life, a break a life, ba, 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 with my flappy chest. Somebody, <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, this this turned in a whole different direction. <laughs> okay. Well, guys, um, today we're uh, we're going to be a little serious. How do you feel about this, Karen? No, I, th- I think it's important that we talk about some serious stuff. I think it is too, and it's nothing to do. Um, well, actually, it is. It it does uh, both uh, affect Karen and I together. Um, so um, we're going to actually talk to you guys today about uh, post traumatic stress disorder (PTSD). Yeah, I think. Um I've mentioned it before, I know, on numerous occasions that I have PTSD. Um, and I didn't cause it, so I'm just going to put that out there. We'll talk later. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we want to talk about it because it's, um, well, first of all, I think... It's very real. Here's the thing. It's being used a lot. Yeah. But I think it's... a mostly appropriate how it's being used absolutely it's like anything that's being recognized um we because of the way the world is we're all connected by the interwebs so um it's talked about more more people coming out are are talking about it there's been more studies done um yeah like life is difficult Every aspect of life is is difficult. You can lose a loved one. Losing a loved one, uh, people don't really realize how much that affects you. It, it doesn't even necessarily matter. You know, you lose a grandparent, old age, let's say. You could lose, you know, a mother, a father. Mm-hmm. Um, it, in a tra- it's all traumatic. It's yeah, and 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 for some people, it um, they go through the the regular stages of grief. So. Um, and if you can go through the regular stages of of grief and come out on the other side of it, it it's not considered PTSD. Right. It's 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 grieving, it's it's loss, it's sadness, depression, you know, those those types of things. When it becomes debilitating. When you can't 
focus on your life. And we're going to go through the symptoms. We'll just wait a second before doing that. But basically, the difference between it is that when you get a load of these symptoms, and they debilitate you, they take over your life, and you can't function normally, then we're looking at a PTSD um, diagnosis. Yeah. And and those five stages, just I'm going to let you guys know. So the five stages of grief uh, they have here is denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And I think too, if you can get yourself to acceptance, I mean, you know, you can always say like, I, for example, lost both parents within the span of 18 months. So yeah. that was, that was really rough. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom died um, unexpectedly and, you know, my father suffered for a couple of years. So for me, I think I dealt with, um, I feel like I've dealt with their deaths, but not um, properly. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it was kind of a, a you know, okay, this happened, I'm, I got to move on. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't, whereas my sisters in, in a different way, it was a lot, it affected them a lot more right off the bat. I find now, you know, my mom was eight years ago now, my dad was five years ago now, or four, six years ago now. Um, it's... And now it's catching up to me. You know, I think about them a little bit more and I'm like, wait a minute, why am I, you know, yeah. it should be getting easier. Well, you can't, <clears throat> excuse me, put a timeline on grief. It's, you, you can't. Um, I mean, we can, we can say that maybe we, we, again, it, it's when we are able to process all the way through it yeah. and it gets in, in the way. So I think that we can't put necessarily a timeline on it, but there's a point where it's, it's, stopping us from living yes oh yes and uh, you know we're supposed to forget and all this no that that just doesn't stop you're gonna feel sad you're gonna miss them but there's a way of rerouting this this um thinking process the thing with ptsd too is that it's usually from a very sudden traumatic event yeah or a series of of sudden um traumatic events yeah or just being um Constantly just like peppered with this stuff. Yep. Think of uh, soldiers. Abs- oh, God. Every day they're getting, they're experiencing like in war. It may not be every day. It, it could be, it doesn't matter. However, their um, exposure is it is to it. Uh, they're, they're dealing with some of the worst shit you can ever see. Crazy. And then here on our home turf, police officers, you know. Uh, EMS. F- EMS, firefighters. Nurses, you know, doctors. nurses, doctors, everybody, PSWs, let's yeah. not leave anybody out because you, they, like, emergency workers, you're there right when all of this is happening, yep. the worst day of somebody's life. You know, you, you bring that home, don't you think? Don't you? Yeah, I um, I think we bring it home, but it lives in our head. Yeah. So, I mean, head, our head is the first home. The second home is where we occupy our bodies, but generally we don't... Um, there's nowhere to go with it. You yeah. don't, you can't debrief at work. No. You got to keep moving on. Another aspect of trauma is, um, say someone was in a, a horrible crash. Right. Someone was raped. Uh, someone lost a family member to murder. Uh, sudden death from a sudden illness, like the, uh, childhood abuse. Yeah. These things are all uh, can the cause the um, cause PTSD. And it's mental is still something people don't want to talk about. And this day and age, 2019, you would think like, you know, I'm okay with talking about mental illness. I know you're okay with talking about mental illness. What do people have to do to get to a point where they're okay talking about that they're not okay? 
there's still so much stigma even within the 911 community, right? Oh, yeah. Like we got to be tough. Yeah. And, you know, but I think, I don't think there's a lot of people that um, maybe feel that way exactly, but no. it's still part of the culture. Yeah, it absolutely is. When I finally left work, um, the day I left, I I didn't know that I wasn't ever going to go back to work again. Yeah. And the support I got that day from the couple people there was incredible. Um, and some friends that, that carried on. But there's a whole load of, you know, you can't hack it. Yeah. Which is everybody has, again, we'll talk about time limits. How many years can one take? Well, I think it's a fuse. You can look at it as a fuse, right? Yeah. You know, we don't know how long our fuse is. And I think once that fuse kind of fizzles out at the end is when we reach a point where it's kind of, we there a change has to be made. Mm-hmm. We have to kind of visit our own selves, sit down with our own selves and be like, okay, something's going on. I got to try and work towards fixing this because you don't want to, you know, I, like there's a bunch of stuff um, we're looking up on CAMH. Do you want to, and CAMH is the uh, Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Yeah, there you go. I was going to say Canadian. Canadian <laughs> Addiction so, so. Mental Health, whatever. <laughs> I mean, you know. I mess that up. Okay. So Erica, do you want to go over some of the, okay, why don't we just give the flat out definition yeah, I can do want that. to read that. Yeah. yeah. So post-traumatic stress disorder, which is PTSD, is a natural emotional response to frightening or dangerous experiences that involve actual or threaten serious harm to oneself or others. However, for some people, the thoughts or memories of these events seriously affect their lives long after any real danger has passed. These types of experiences are called traumatic. Yes. And there is something that's called like small t trauma large t trauma and then complex ptsd in which um it's maybe not just work it was childhood trauma right or domestic abuse and that kind of thing why why don't we read through some of the um uh, some some of the symptoms signs and symptoms absolutely yeah so it says ptsd usually appears within three months of the event but sometimes symptoms may not appear for years and Common symptoms include re-experiencing the traumatic event over and over, having recurring nightmares, experiencing unwanted, disturbing memories of the event, acting or feeling as if the event is happening again, feeling upset when reminded of the event, staying away from activities, places, or people that are reminders of the traumatic experience. You want to carry on there? Yeah. uh, Avoiding friends and family, losing interest in activities that used to be enjoyable, experiencing difficulty having loving feelings you've lost that loving feeling oh oh that love okay sorry that's i had to throw that in there (laughs) god i can't take anything seriously well you are okay good um being unable to feel pleasure uh constantly worrying having a hard time concentrating getting angry easily having trouble falling asleep or staying asleep fearing harm from others, experiencing sudden attacks of dizziness, fast heartbeat, or shortness of breath, having fears of dying. I know all about the dizziness and the fast heartbeat and the shortness of breath. I mean, I think I've gone through many, if not most, of these these things. And it's scary. It's the scariest thing when it's happening. You literally think, Mm -hmm. I'm going to die. Well, I'm going to... Okay. So maybe I'm going to tell a little bit about myself right now. Yeah. So I suffered um, from pretty significant childhood abuse. But I, 
I was able to, I can never say this word, compartmentalize it. Compartmentalize. (laughs) And put it in, you know, tidy little boxes in my head. That's how I, that's how I, I survived as a kid. And then into my uh, adulthood. So I go to school, I become a nurse, I'm, I'm working away, I'm, I'm thriving, I'm doing excellent. And then this was my first brush with it that I didn't realize was maybe the beginning of things. I and start- you have a, a child that you're taking care of as well. Yeah. Oh, my God. My oh, son's so, so perfect. <laughs> He's the best I had thing. to throw him in there. Yeah, yeah, I had to. Um, so the best way to describe it, I started to feel like I was walking on a raft in water, but on land. That's so every, st- every step I took, I felt like I was sinking. Yeah. And I felt like I was getting motion sickness. And... So I thought, I think I have an inner ear disturbance, that kind of thing. And then my heart would race, all these things were happening. And I, I really thought that there was something seriously physically wrong with me. So I got a bunch of workups. Most things came back normal. I have some heart shit, but whatever. Just she's got an iron heart, everybody. And that's what it is. <laughs> with, right beside my iron lung. Right beside her iron lung. Yeah. And so I was, I was like, I had the workup, but I didn't get any treatment. You know, the doctor put me on an antidepressant and I, the symptoms calmed down a bit and I just carried on with life. Nothing's dealt with. You were given a a mask. Yeah. And it wasn't attributed to anything. No. It wasn't like, oh, well, like some bad shit happened and, you know. Yeah. So then I I carry on. I'm working in the ER. Things are just life's carrying on. All the crazy stuff that you see there and all the other stuff in my head that's, let's just say the box is starting to to deteriorate a little bit. I think of them as the tarps coming loose. Yeah. Yeah. Like the cardboard box is starting to get a little moldy and yeah. starting to fall apart a bit. And maybe a cat peed on yeah. it or something. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Jeez. Went a little too far there. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's why I think, no, okay. I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> um, and so then, you know, it was one experiencing traumas at work. And then there was one last horrific case that involved the murder of an entire family well except for one one child and <laughs> you can't imagine that even as an outsider mm-hmm. you can't imagine that i i can imagine experiencing that as a paramedic but as a nurse you they came right to you and the, now but you guys were on the scene right but it, it, <laughs> It's kind of like, uh, you know, as a paramedic, you you hand off. You hand off so quickly. You get cleaned up and you go to your next call. You know, it's not like a, you're yeah, there. But it's, I think it's the same, though, because you you don't get to debrief. You, you go there, you pick them up, you drop them off. What happened? What's going on? And then you see all this this horror as well. I, I think it's six and one half dozen of the other. It is, yeah. So this this case was, was oh, it was so bad. I, I believe I talked about it in maybe my last hardcore ER. And... So it was close to Christmas and that night was the the Christmas party at work. And my son was in a play and it was closing night. So I'm like, I was done at 7 p.m. So I thought, oh, plenty of time to get changed and go see him. That was my plans earlier in the day. Right, yeah. (laughs) And maybe after I see, uh, drop him back off at home, I'm going to go maybe for an hour or two to the Christmas party because I was going on to nights the next night. Right. So you, it's a lot. Yeah, you can sleep the next day yeah. sort of thing, right? And this case was just, it was so bad and one of the the, the worst ever. I was, uh, I didn't get to leave there till nine. 
and I always take off my scrubs and my shoes or clogs I was wearing, all of it, because, you know, you don't want to bring home gross stuff, no, she right? She puts clothes on, though, like once she takes her, yeah. scrubs, <laughs> when she takes her scrubs off, she puts clothes on. Just exactly. that's, I just wanted to get that in there. <laughs> but I was covered in some, like, lots of stuff. Let's just put it this way. And I didn't care. I just, I didn't even think I threw on a, a big, long jacket, like a trench coat, not trench coat, but, you know, it was like a winter jacket, um, like a pea coat. And I flew out the door, went to my son's school, and I'm sitting, watching his play, and I'm wearing the scrubs I was wearing, which is like horror in itself, it's so unlike me. And I'm crying watching his play. And I'm like, gee, what the hell am I going to do? Like, I can't walk out and be like, I'm so proud. Oh, son. So, yeah. <laughs> you were so good yeah, playing. I was like, uh, whatever. Whoever. Yeah. Number two. <laughs> the bush. B- bush two. Bush two. Yeah. And so there was that. Then I'm like wired. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to make an appearance at the Christmas party. I go there and then whoosh. Everybody's like, what happened? We heard. Uh, and I'm like, okay, can't do this. Yeah. I'm like, okay, guys, I'm going to go home. Went home, cleaned my house all night, like a maniac. And then all into the next day, did not sleep, went to work, was working in acute care. So heart attacks and uh, just, uh, you know. All the fun uh, stuff. All the fun, acute care, like sick, sick people. Um and I'm one one of my patients. Uh, they're they're getting worse with their heart condition, so I'm I'm sitting and I'm I talk talking to the gar- cardiologist, taking notes, and I look down and there's like water dripping <laughs> on the paper and smudging the ink, and I'm like, what? I look up, honestly, I'm like what the ceiling leak up in here? Yeah, and I I'm like, holy shit! I'm it's me. I'm crying. Like what the fuck is going on? Yeah, and I asked one of my um co-workers like can you please take this over i went to the charge nurse and i'm like i i gotta go home and like you just don't leave mid-shift night shift no, or, yeah. or any shift yeah but she saw me and I, I guess she knew that i was involved in that and i was so ashamed to like go to her and say i have to leave um to admit that you need to take time out for yourself yeah well yeah so i was like so ashamed of that and finally um this nurse was also part of the the union the nurses union and she gave me the most massive hug ever. And she said, I got you covered. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll take care of paperwork and all that kind of stuff. And you know what? That was my last day at work. And you know what, though? The, the good part is you recognized. You recognized. There we go. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know it was going to be my last day at work, no. though. I thought, okay, I'm going to go home. I just need sleep. Yeah. I'll be fine. I'm tired. Yeah. You know, I'm stressed out. Yeah. I'm clearly emotional and I yeah. don't know why. I, you know, I'm going to sleep it off. A week goes by and I'm like, by. I'm shaking. Yeah. I'm I'm not coping. I am just, what is going on? And so anyway, this is my intro into uh, PTSD. Yeah. This is when it all came to a head. So it wasn't just all of this. All of my childhood stuff came up and I'm like, what? Why am I being bitch lapped by the universe right now? Yeah. But you you can only hold so much in. Yep. And and then it will all come out eventually. And that's the thing. I mean, I think that's why it's so important to talk about, you know, you go home, friend, you know, husband, wife, whoever, mom, dad, you know, vent a little. You know, I think venting is important. Yeah, I think... um, 
because I know where my thoughts went. I know that I went to really dark, ugly places. Um, I wasn't starting to have um, flashbacks. That, that came later. Um, but I couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. I was isolating myself. I didn't want to be around anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to like be by myself, be left alone. So uh, some some risk factors for PTSD include experiencing dangerous events and trauma in the past, having a history of mental health or substance use problems, feeling helplessness or extreme fear, having a small support system after the traumatic event, feeling guilt, shame, or responsibility for the event or its outcome, and experiencing additional stress after the event. Uh, example, loss of a loved one, pain and injury, loss of a job or home. Yep. Yeah. Um, like The protective factors that may reduce the risk of PTSD include having a support system from other people, like a larger support system, uh, friends and family, participating in support group after the traumatic event, feeling confident about one's own actions regarding the event, having a coping strategy or way of getting through the traumatic event and being able to act and respond effectively despite feeling fear. So, I mean... I kind of look at that and say, doesn't that come after treatment? <laughs> you would, yeah, you would honestly think so. I mean, and th- this is the thing. I think people, I mean, some people are blessed with the ability to do that, but I mean, not all like of be, us. Feeling confident about one's own actions, having a coping strategy. How do you have a coping strategy for? Okay, okay. Let's just think about it, especially in our um, profession. Uh, there is no like. You don't debrief. You don't go, okay, let's take an hour to talk about what we just experienced no. and move on. See, I think the biggest thing is, if, if you look at you and I, very similar people, how do we react when something's uncomfortable? Humor. Humor. We just, we default to laughing. And and for some people, that can be uncomfortable. Yeah. Especially if you're in a funeral and, you know, uh-huh. everybody's crying and upset and you're cracking jokes. Yeah. It's just the way of dealing with things. Uh-huh. And it you become so accustomed to it, you know? Um, I used to have really good partners. Um, so, you know, after any call, we would talk about it. And I mm-hmm. think that was um, that was something that really helped, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if anything, you know, PTSD from work, PTSD from something that happened to you, past, present, something that may happen to you. I mean, nothing is too small. And I think the most important thing is to get help to talk about it um you know karen like do you have anything well here here's the thing if we're gonna really get into this and uh my sleeves are just pushed up so i'm in (laughs) i um so when i was isolating myself i wasn't sleeping i was a mess i was a disaster so okay let's have a beer before bed yeah okay now i need two i need something in the day so yeah I, i developed a drinking problem um i can't believe i'm saying this but you know i i don't have the shame that i that i did because that i was medicating myself yeah and um, it got bad. And thankfully, because the, the, the person most important in my life at the time, my son, he was in his uh, late teens. Um, so thank God. I mean, it's never, never, ever, ever, ever okay for a kid to see or experiencing their parents struggling that badly. But uh, I think he was old enough to start to understand. Yeah. Or like he doesn't, I mean, he didn't, I didn't tell him about cases or anything like that, but uh, 
Yeah, I, I do have the guilt that I still harbor from that. Like, I wasn't like I was a, a horrible maniac, no, no. but it was like I was a I was a mess. We'll have him on the next show. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> talk to him about. Yeah, actually, he's very proud of me, which oh, makes will make me that. make me cry. But uh, and I and I had a I had a couple friends that were absolutely amazing that weren't just work friends; they were my best friends. And they said, "You know what? You you gotta do something about this." So, um, January first, two thousand and twelve, I uh, I went to rehab. I you. spent uh, 32 days in, or 34 days in rehab. No, sorry. I went to detox for 10 days, then 34 days in rehab. And from there, I went to a place in Guelph. So Guelph is um, about an hour and a half. Yeah, about an hour and a half from here. From Toronto. Yep. And it has one of the only PTSD programs in Canada um, at least at the time, there was only one other place that you could go strictly to, to get help for PTSD. Right. And it's one of the, it's considered one of the best in North America. And people like come in from all over the place to, to go there. So it was an eight week intensive, you live there program and you're with lots of exposure, but like the support is unbelievable. So I walk in there and I'm terrified. And who's in there? Well, first of all, people between the ages of 35 and 55, because you, hit a breaking point yeah you know you i mean there were some younger people and older people but who were in there okay let's just say most of us were uh the um military yeah ems nurses doctors um people that uh I, there was a few people that worked in mines oh because I, I mean yeah, yeah um uh, police uh people that have experienced severe childhood trauma but a lot of us were the the 911 people. Yeah. And the amazing thing was, so I'm there and I'm like, oh my God, this is horrible. But it wasn't really, I look back and I was like greeted warmly by everybody. And your first session when you talk about stuff, you go, oh my God, it's not just me. Yeah, you, you, it's. I am not insane. Yeah, I'm not crazy. Like you're looking at someone going, you too? Yeah. And then that, I think, is when the healing process starts and you don't feel so alone. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. How did you, what was your thought the the day you left, the day you walked out? I felt like um, I was a bit scared because you really are like eight weeks, you are so comfortable and so safe when you're there. Yeah. And you're ready to go home. But I was afraid. I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, now I got to cope with the real world. But I was um, given so many tools to work with that um, I felt really, I felt beside a bit scared. I felt really confident. And I felt really proud of myself. And I felt that I could identify what my triggers were. So to this day, I still have triggers, but I can go, oh, okay, that's what it is. It always goes away and I'll be fine. And I know how to put myself in a in a safe place. And it's a lot less than it used to be. But um, by the time I was going there too, I was having audio and visual, like I was having flashbacks and right. audio like hallucinations, even though I knew that they weren't real. Still, uh, it's scary because you, you have no control. A trigger I still get, and it happens to me is hearing babies cry. Yeah. I worked at a children's hospital, so like a uh, merge and I still, I'll hear cr babies cry like from behind me or from a, a closet or, uh, in a hallway. And most of the time there isn't a baby there oh i would hope so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean and so that's that's my trigger still but i can go that's not happening right and even though it will shake me up um and then i'll go into like i'll be in different places i'll feel overwhelmed but then so like i said i can go oh 
and I can shut it down quickly. Uh, shut it down is not like um, closing the door of it, not thinking about it. It's like, no, I can stop this this runaway train of of um of emotions and and fear i can shut down that amygdala and the yeah. hippocampus <laughs> would you call me <laughs> anyway so that's that's kind of that's kind of my uh my my story and um and i've just i've always been very empathetic towards people as much as you know we joke and stuff i know you have the biggest fucking heart of i've ever met um and we we have so much empathy and care for people but yeah humor has gone a long way yeah and i think it's it's saved um saved us a couple times you know it's so there's something i want to talk about right now there's never a great place to put an ad at least i find it hard to but i am very grateful for the sponsorship from better help because it does allow me to cover some of the costs of this podcast that i put out to you guys BetterHelp is a service that I am proud to endorse. As we're just talking here, I have PTSD. And for many years and early on, I didn't know where to turn. Back in the day, there wasn't a service like this. And I'm pretty sure that it's one I would have used. You can talk to a licensed professional counselor in the safety of your own home, privately, confidentially, and secured online. You can talk to your counselor on a face-to-face video session, on the phone, text, or chat. They have specialized counselors in depression, anxiety, relationships, grief, self-esteem, family conflict, LGBT matters, and many others. Everything is confidential. There are 3,000 licensed therapists in the U.S. and available worldwide. And financial aid is available for those who qualify. STAT listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code STAT. So just go to betterhelp.com STAT. Let's get back to the show. Well, what about you? What what's what's going on with you? If you don't mind talking uh, no, about it. No. Um so it's actually recently um I've been having some I'm going to say uh extreme anxiety. Um so I've been, you know, waking up uh early in the morning, you know, just it's not an anxiety attack. It's just all of a sudden like mm-hmm. okay, I know where I am. I'm, you know, I'm in my bed. Everything's fine. Uh, you know, but trying to go back to sleep, I can't, um, little things, uh, you know, you always, I always automatically go to, well, what's happening? I'm dizzy. I I have pressure in my head, you know? And, uh, lucky enough, I went back to my old doctor. Um, you know, she is incredible. She has, you know, talked me through a lot of these things and, you know, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, I, I, you deal with things the way that you think people want you to deal with them. Yep. And you don't deal with them the way that you need to deal with them. And I think everybody needs to understand that it's okay to ask for help sometimes. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, if you guys want to see what we're, uh, what we've been reading from, go to uh, camh.ca. So camh.ca. Um, it's a great website. It's got a lot of links and additional resources. Now, this is a Canadian site, but yeah. um, you, I'm sure that, I mean, you can start there. Oftentimes, there's links to different countries. And, right. Um, but I, I think that it's understood that um, it's pretty much a, across the board with, with um, symptoms. and Like, you can move to Canada, too. That's cool as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, you can. a pretty cool country. <laughs> so, there's that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I, I hope... Um, I mean, PTSD, we could talk about forever, um, but I think... Well, you're getting away from 
You. Me. Yes. So do you think that I'm not letting you off the hook that okay. easy unless you, you don't want to. No, go ahead. Then you'll hear a silence. Um, do you, are you able to identify triggers right now? Like, is it? No. Is, is it? Okay. You just know, is it possible you're at the beginning of starting to understand things that are going on? Um, you know, it's funny. I think I've been thinking about, um, my parent. I had a great childhood. I can't complain. Uh, my childhood was fantastic. It's nice to hear. Yeah, I had uh, I had fan- fantastic parents. Um, I lost my mom when I was thirty one, and I lost my dad when I was thirty three. Mm. So um, was I, I? Did I feel like I was too young to lose my parents? Absolutely. You know, but I was. Um, I did a lot for them. Um, you know, right up until I was there. Uh, you know, basically when they died. Now I did miss my mom's death. Um, I was twenty minutes late. Mm-hmm. My two sisters were there. So I, I think I still kick myself in the ass for that. And um, as for my dad, my dad, he, my dad suffered a lot. He, he was diabetic. Um, he lost both legs. Um, oh, yeah. So he had a lot going on, stroke, heart attack, heart attack, stroke. But here's the thing. My dad saw the humor in all of it. In the beginning, he didn't. In the beginning, my dad asked us when he was in the hospital after losing his first leg, he said, and talk about PTSD. He said, I want you to shoot me. I want uh-huh. you to kill me. I want you to go find a gun and I want you to kill me. And this is when he was not coping. This is, he was not coping. How he terrifying just was lost that his leg. It was scary. Your, your parents asking you to, you know, kill them. And, and when my dad was serious, you knew he was serious. Mm-hmm. So I think that in itself, um, kind of made me put everything on the back burner, you know, because I knew I had to be that strong person for him. Yeah. And, you know, especially my mom. And and I think too, you know, my mom had my sisters, uh, you know, all the time. They were very similar. And I was, you know, I was my dad's like yeah. confidant, you know, I was his, like I went fishing with him. I did all the things that, you know, mm-hmm with my dad. So I think losing him so close to losing my mom was a huge, it had a huge impact in my life. And I didn't realize that until so many years later. And I think now I'm thinking about them a lot more. I'm shedding more tears over them, you know? And I I think too, I was to the point where like, okay, I can't deal with this alone. I can't, I have to go see somebody. So, you know, seeing somebody uh you know to be honest i was kind of like embarrassed um even me i was like oh i don't you know i'm strong i don't want to go see anybody it's common it's so common and and now i'm like why didn't i do this before like what the hell is wrong with me so i think everything now you know my the care of my family doctor the care of a therapist you know you you really undress things that you never thought were anything like you you they weren't even a a memory yeah things that you have no idea how they got there you know and i think that is something that a lot more people need to ask for help there's no reason what i think is um it's it's interesting between you and i is that we're at different stages of, yeah. of healing um I've been on this this path of healing for quite a while. I mean, uh, 2020. So we're looking at uh, what's that? Uh, eight years. I haven't touched anything. And you know what? 
I mean, I'm talking about like booze. I yeah. mean, but the thing is, it was such a medication to me that I, it's not anything I think of. Well, it helps you forget. But it's, it's nothing that I even want to even, even consider. Yeah. Um, but again, like, so I'm, you know, I, I, I'm very, um, I'm in a really great place because I've, I've gone through this journey and, and there's some things I just had to come to grips with that will never go away because there is brain damage involved. Yeah. Um, but that's okay because I know I I get it now. Yeah. You so it doesn't interfere it. with my life really yeah. much at all. You are sort of at the beginning. I'm knocking on the door. Yeah. But I'm so incredibly proud of you, Erica, because this is a tough, tough journey and a place to start. Yeah. And you're fucking doing it. I'm and doing it. I got your back the whole way. You know Thank that. You. Yes. I know you do. Um, but you're doing it. And, and that's the, the huge step of like, carrying on recognizing it and then jumping in and doing it yeah and some people have a big space in between the two. Oh god yeah. i did yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I, I just i just want to uh, touch on something um that's the science and biology of ptsd now i'm not going to go into great detail about this but for me having a science science brain science brain i didn't believe in PTSD, as stupid as it no, sounds. it's not stupid. But not even in others, in myself. I'm like, it's not possible for me to have this because I need biological scientific proof yeah. that I have this. When I went through this program and they gave me that proof, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. This is beyond for real. I saw MRIs. I saw CT scans where there are major changes in um, different uh, structures in the brain. Um and the one of the beautiful things is um, neuroplasticity, and I love I love talking about that. And the brain is that we are able to redirect our pathways of thinking, and that's I think oh, I'm a miracle because my brain is plastic. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. that'll be a new song. Yeah, <laughs> right. So I was I mean, with a lot of hard work and a lot of support, I've been able to reroute those those ways of thinking. So, um, so just 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 quickly touching on a few things here. Um, so you can look at it as a psychological injury, right? Um, rather than say a mental illness. And when they done when they've done neural neuroanatomical sound it out, Karen. Neuroanatomical, whatever neuroanatomy studies. <laughs> That sounds so much better. <laughs> they have seen changes in the amygdala and the hippocampus, showing that there are uh, that these are caused by trauma. So let's just talk quickly about what that is. So the hippocampus, which is like a cool. It's term. not a hippo. Yeah, I wish it was, but it's not. Unfortunately, it's, it's really, really cool word. Um, so under normal conditions, when your memory is built or retrieved, the hippocampus blends together all the elements of memory from sensory areas. So short-term memories can be stored in the hippocampus, but when there are no longer um, when they're no longer required, they they are kind of put out of our heads, so to speak, and they they are changed and made into more long-term memories. So that's a cool thing about the hippocampus and the brain is that boom, it's a short-term memory and then it's translated into a long-term memory. Yeah. It's moved on. So, um, so it, with the hippocampus tends to reduce in volumes with, uh, PTSD. So, um, the recording of new memories and the retrieval of older memories 
respond to specific environmental stimuli it becomes distorted right so when we're drawing on longer memories and when we're and how we process short term memory is all screwed up yeah so all of a sudden we're pulling something out of somewhere so you can imagine you're watching a movie and it's going along and bam you're getting a flash of something really really bad and you're like how does that fit into this movie right now it doesn't make sense i'm watching disney yeah and i can't remember the first 15 minutes yeah the first 15 minutes of this movie to begin with so so to sum it up the hippocampus is also responsible for distinguishing between past and present memories And so those with PTSD can lose the ability to discriminate between past and present experiences, resulting in flashbacks. flashbacks. So there you have your hippocampus is affected. And then you have your uh, prefrontal cortex. So the front of your brain. And we know that this um, part of our brain affects our emotions and our behaviors. So an effect... um, on the prefrontal cortex, uh, it, it regulates, like I said, uh, negative emotions. So we, you know, positive, negative, but let's say negative emotions such as fear. Right. So this re- due to this region shrinking in those with PTSD, the ability to regulate these emotions is reduced, causing fear, anxiety, extreme stress responses, even when faced with things that are not connected or even remotely connected to the original trauma. And that's a scary thing. I mean, well, perfect example for me would be like I get overwhelmed when I'm in a really busy mall or grocery store. Yep. And there's no reason for me to be afraid of being in there. No, but it's a thing. And, you know, you can, I think you can chalk it up to a lot of things as well. You, or you try to, anyways. Uh, you know, you, you take yourself out of the situation. You're like, okay, I feel better. But you're not. People, I think the biggest thing is people aren't dealing with these uh, yeah. these feelings properly. And, you know, with doctors too, I mean, doctors are so busy these days. It's easy to prescribe uh, antidepressant and anti-anxiety medication, antipsychotic. It's, it's, you're, again, like I said before, you're handing somebody a mask and you're not dealing with what is actually happening. And I think that is one thing that... You know, even if it's just us doing this, trying to put it out there to whoever's listening, you know, get the help. Make sure you keep talking, keep talking. I can't say it enough. Um, Stay open always with your communication. It talk to anybody who will listen, your therapist, doctor, whoever you choose to talk about, um, you know, reach out. Because even if you're just opening up a tiny pinhole of a massive abscess, at least you've opened that up a little bit and it can lead to relief and and healing healing, exactly and you know i think that our in canada and my understanding in the in the states i could be wrong but our our mental health system is failing people all over the place all over the place and i was in a fortunate position that i had great benefits and i was able to go to such an incredible place to get help right um and i've been surrounded by an amazing healthcare team because of those things um but not everybody gets that no and so I'm, I'm, you know, very fortunate that way. So like, um, one thing I do want to say is this is like became a coping mechanism. And then a love of mine is um, audiobooks and podcasts. I mean, you know, funny enough, I wouldn't be able to tell (laughs) because that allowed me to leave the house. Right. And so I could go do my thing and I could listen to a book and that, you know, being told a story is soothing. At least it is for me. Right. Um, I couldn't listen to music for the longest time because uh, some triggers were some certain music or songs. Right. So throwing on a book being read to me or listening to a podcast, I could just boot around, get my groceries done. And, and now I just like it anyway. So yeah, now I, I just there's love nothing my, wrong with it. I, I love my, my audiobooks and my podcast. So, 
But that that's an example of where I had to continue to expose myself. Right. I couldn't just shut down on life. So I found a way to help me, you know, just, just do that. Of course. Um, but again, that was, you know, a part of a journey that I, that I had to take to get there. But everybody has different ways of coping, different lengths of time that's, that's needed, different support systems. So don't ever get overly, don't get critical of yourself. Um, don't beat the hell out of yourself. Don't um, give up. Don't, don't give up. Listen, if you even have, you know, uh, any sort of even an inkling, uh, a quick thought in your mind that, you know, you want to hurt yourself or you want to hurt others, get help, go to the hospital, call 911. Um, you know, there's there is help out there. Um, you know, maybe it's not the best right now. But, you know, people, I think a lot of people are working towards, you know, trying to figure this whole thing out. And, that's the most important thing. And don't stop talking. Again, do not stop talking about it. Exactly. I never had suicidal thoughts. No, me neither. And thank God for that. Yeah. Or thank whoever's out there for that. I think I know. Thank Barbara. <laughs> my main thing is my son because there's yeah. no way I was leaving him. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's how everybody feels. No, exactly. And But I, I feel fortunate that um, I didn't experience that, um, but some people do. And again, like reach out, and uh, even if it means dropping us a line, we can direct you with some links and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So I d- well, let's get to the um, the amygdala. Um, so the amygdala. People that uh, have experienced trauma. The, the, there's an increased activity in the amygdala region. So what does it do? Okay, so this part of the brain uh, helps us process emotions. And it's also linked to fear responses. So it uses the hippocampus to ask questions from situations like, uh, is this safe? Am I in a safe situation? Uh, do I like this? Okay, and then when it comes to PTSD, it's like, do I need a, need to start my, um, stress response, trigger my hormones to fight or flight, right? So that's the thing. So it takes in the information from the hippocampus and then it goes, okay, what do I do with this? It asks and then it can react. So if you can imagine that if your brain is hyperactive in that area, it'll it'll not communicate properly and get misinformation from the hippocampus. And kind of creating a distorted view of situations. Exactly. So you're like, um, shit. I just heard a loud noise. I've heard a loud noise in the past. Do I need to be worried about this? A loud noise, loud noise, loud noise. Loud. Oh, boom. Okay, shit. I got to f- get the fuck out of here. This is not good. So if you think so, you've got a hyperactive amygdala, you've got a, um, a hippocampus that can't figure out how to like process memory. Um, and you've got a, a frontal lobe that knows is, is disturbed when it comes to it's screwed up when it comes to processing emotion, especially fear. Yeah. So these are very real things. So when I started to read about this, when I started to see images about this, I was like, okay, now I can accept. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that I'm not a wuss. I'm yeah. not a baby. I am not overreacting. That I do need help and. That was my trigger. Everybody, like I said, has their has a different thing. Um, last but not least, let's talk a little bit about the cortisol levels. We know about cortisol levels that go up with stress. Do they ever? Exactly. 
which can also create like physical symptoms. Physical symptoms are, um, you know, you, uh, let's say you're going into, uh, you know, an anxiety attack, you start to sweat, um, you know, you're in a cold sweat, you, you get dizzy, your tingling your hands and feet. Yeah. And, uh, you just, you, you don't feel good. Shortness of breath, racing heart. All heart, like, and then it causes you to think you're having a heart attack. Yeah. And then you're not thinking straight because you're not getting enough oxygen circulating and that's it. Yep. I'm screwed. I'm going to die right now. So think about all of this. That is a lot biologically going on in your body. And for people that say PTSD is not real, you know what? Fuck you. On you. Yeah. I just made a fart noise with my mouth. I know. I but I then I said, fuck, fuck you. And you were like, on you. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there, so there is, this is real and happens every day. And unfortunately, the, the hardest part is we're losing so many lives uh, yes. to this, especially from um, first responders. It's in the news all the time about suicides, uh, murder suicides. Uh, it's lives lost from alcoholism and drug abuse. It, it just, it's, it's, it's devastating because a lot of the people that are suffering from it have acquired this from trying to help. Yeah. But then we have a whole generation or not, it's not even a generation it goes back till the beginning of time. People that have suffered horrific family violence and abuse. Yeah. And that's a whole other let's not talk about it uh, situation. So you've got within the 911 communities and first responders and military, let's not talk about it. And then there's family trauma, let's not talk about yeah. it. So that's the whole thing of let's not talk about it. Well, and it's it's all sweeping everything under the rug too. And, you, you know, eventually your rug's not even going to be sitting on the floor. And, you know, it- <laughs> I'm having a hard time with that analogy, but... I I, I, I want to sing the song from Aladdin, A Whole New World, um, when they're flying on the magic carpet. But, I, you know, that's we'll say that <laughs> no, for another day. No, there's so much crap on it. This, the carpet's sitting on the crap. It's yeah, it's sitting the right on the crap. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, well, I, I hope that this um, this episode has resonated with some people. Yeah, and opened your eyes a little bit. And know that, you know, you aren't alone. Even no. if you want to drop us a line, talk to us. I mean, you know, myself or Karen... You know, send us an email, send us whatever you you need to do. Uh, get it out, vent to us. We are here to listen. We are not, yeah. no judgment. And we're not going to give you advice except for maybe help you find um, uh, maybe a link or a place that you might Absolutely. check out. Yep. But first things first, family, 911, get yourself safe. Yeah. And if you are even just, if you, if you feel like you want to just drop us a line, like Erica said, Maybe we can just direct you in the right direction. Absolutely. But get yourself safe first and know that you're not alone. You got these us two crazy bitches here that is as silly as we get. Um, we're also as serious as a heart attack. And Absolutely. we're here to support each other. Absolutely. Okay. So that's it for today. That's it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I'm going to go cry now. <laughs> God, Karen, I'm getting kind of hungry. We think we should... Uh... Should whip up those. What are you making us for lunch? Uh, Philly steak sandwiches. Philly steak sandwiches. Uh, all right. So, uh, you know, we're going to go eat our feelings. We're going to go uh, eat some sandwiches and uh, sammies. And then we're going to record a placebo effect. Placebo effect. Oh, wait till you see what we got for you. Oh, just wait. Okay. Take it easy. Take care. Uh, peace. Bye. Love. <laughs>